the hard shoulder on News Talk with Nissan's big electric switch. Scrappage is now available on your old car when you switch to a 100% electric Nissan Leaf. Welcome back to the hard shoulder with me. We are going to stay with it here on the final furlong till seven o'clock. And we have three cracking guests for you on my final furlong panel. It's a great pleasure to welcome back broadcaster and journalist Barbara Scully, uh, Jim Elliott, comedian and Bill Hughes of Mind the Gap Films. Did you ever fix that woman's heart that you were working on? Uh, we start filming next uh, next week. Uh, funnily enough, at the National Concert Hall for the orchestrated A Woman's Heart with Eleanor McAvoy and Maura uh, O'Connell and Wallace Bird. And so we'll be filming. That's the start of it, but we've got months of filming in front of us. So right. Uh, but when it. will we see it? You won't see it till Christmas time. All right. Well, yeah, we can yeah. look forward to that. Now, you're off to Offaly tonight, did you Yeah, say? I'm on a big de- big night out down to Tullamore, to the Tullamore Court Hotel, where I am involved yeah. in a judging panel, judging an Oscars for Clonaslee uh, GAA. It's a fun right. Razor down there for Clonaslee GA Club. So, yeah, big day in the country for the City Girl, plus judging the Oscars. Like, so I'm that's on tonight. Tonight, tonight. In the if you're not to do and you're in the Midlands, go down to Tullamore Court. <laughs> and, and you're saving wildlife as I'm well. I'm saving wildlife, yes. I'll be doing that on Monday, saving wildlife out in Cabin Teeley. Um, we have Donkin School is right behind us. The Christian yeah. Brothers sold the land there, um, depriving the boys but of what, all the what's playing the pitches. Wildlife you're saving? We have a big flock of Brent geese um, who winter care? there. You yes, I mean? care very yeah. much, plus yeah. all the other wildlife. So we're having right. a meeting about I'm that in Cavatilli on Monday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was waiting for that. <laughs> all right. I wasn't expecting to get much sympathy And is there. The, is the laughter lounge going? No, 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 no. Tonight I'm out in Ashburn at Ashburn Comedy Club in the Fox's Den. Uh, this is a buddy of mine by the name of Keith Fox who, who runs a gig out there monthly. So it's myself and Tom O'Mahony who... Is a, is a comic with a couple of podcasts called the Buckshot Podcast. He's got a new one just launched with oh. Owen Colgan. It's going to be a great night of comedy. Well, if you're, if you're in Ashburn, off to check it out. On Friday, now we better crack on with the final <laughs> furlong. We want to start with an issue, which which may be a, a subliminal one arising out of Brexit. Have we all become a bit anti-British in relation to uh, the sentiment? We received two emails to the show, and I'll just read them. I moved to Dublin from the UK in 2001 and I've lived in Galway for a time. In my opinion, always Ireland has always been unfriendly. It puts on a friendly, diddly eye face to tourists. But when you move here and want to make friends and put down roots, you find the doors are closed. It took a long time to build friends and make a life due to the cliqueiness of Irish people. Another one. I'm a clinical nurse manager living 50 years in Ireland. I'm British. I have two sons, half Irish, half British to my Irish-born wife. My birthday this morning was so upset to see this trouble-stirring poster in my lovely town of Trim in County Meath. Surely we've moved on from this anti-British mentality. I won't name the candidate, but it's a Sinn Féin post to say they burned and sacked our town, referring to Trim. No commemoration for the black and tans. Is there concern here that as a blowback to Brexit, Bill, that in, in the same way that that's English nationalism, that we're becoming a little bit more patriotic or nationalist fervour? I think there's always been the gobshite factor. There's mm. a lot of gobshites in this country who feel that way against British people. And uh, I feel sorry for them. And uh, the town I'm from, Athai, there was always a sort of a undercurrent of nationalism. There was always suggestions that so-and-so was in the Ra and all that. So there was always an element of it. My father was from, uh, from Portadown. 
right. and from the Protestant tradition. And okay. his first wife had been a roaring orange woman. And then my mother was a roaring Republican. It's what they call a mixed marriage. Yeah, yeah. a roaring yeah. Republican from Tipperary. So he jumped out of the frying pan into the fire. And uh, so in our house, it was kind of a non-topic. But there was always a sense of being aware that there are people out there who hate the Brits. And then my husband, who's Welsh, when he moved here, he found it very difficult initially. He found that his accent would be commented on and in the pub or when we're out socially and that there would be a lot of underlying aggression towards and, and sneering towards British. So I agree. I think we are very unfriendly. I think we've given ourselves we are the land of a thousand welcomes. No, we're not. Okay. Few things. That's fascinating. A few things I found because I lived in Wales for a while that actually the English are more detested than the Welsh because the Welsh were kind of related through drink and all that kind of thing. And the Scots are in town this weekend and we kind of like them and, and love them. They're sort of Celtic uh, factors. So that that's a kind of twinge on what we're talking about. But I mean, like some people would say that what Bill has just said is kind of West British-esque. Um. Mm. No, um, and I, I, I actually don't agree with what Bill said. My husband um, is also uh, British. He's English, um, which is the worst kind of British. <laughs> um, and so I suppose I have, I have a kind of a, a perspective from his point on it. I do think that there is there are huge cultural differences between Ireland and England specifically, which I think can lead sometimes to misunderstanding. And I think some what, what their two emails are showing is that. In other words... I actually don't believe there's that many Irish people who hate English people any longer or hate British people. In 2020. But, yeah, but I do think that that doesn't mean that we're all going to go out and support the British team or the English team in the World Cup or in any other kind of sport. I also think it's not going to stop us, as as I know happens to my husband quite frequently, among people he loves very much, including those who he lives with. Um, is that we regularly remind him about anything from Cromwell to the famine to, you know, um, 1916 and... But in a jokey. Yeah, but it's, yeah, it's all jokey, but we're not going to, we're not going to let it all be forgotten about, but it's all jokey and it's all funny. We have to let it go. That's part of our history and I think that it's much... Princess Elsa. I think it's much healthier that we can get to a stage of saying, yeah, we kind of like you, but you didn't Mm. do that, but Mm. we're okay with you now. But did the whole RIC commemoration stir all this up? No, I don't think so, but I think that was the government. I think the government shot themselves in the foot on that spectacularly I think it was just it was completely mismanaged and as the first commemoration of the War of Independence it was completely ill thought out and no thought whatsoever my husband's been here since 1996 and he comes from Guildford um, in Surrey which has a particular uh, history yes um, and when we started going out together even though my mother was praying I know from the get go that maybe this guy would actually marry me and you know kind of she wouldn't have to kind of she was deal with side. me anymore yeah. she was totally on side I think it was only the second weekend he came here. She presented him with a copy. And my mother, well, she comes from a fairly Republican family, I suppose, of the proclamation. And she bought she him said, a copy? Yeah. She said, here you go. Take that now back with you to your Surprise house in Guildford. <laughs> he took it back. He got it framed. And it's still hang, it hung in his hallway in Guildford right. and it hangs in our hallway here. He has the never... beloved ex- mother-in-law. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to she remind it was me part why of I his... must really love Barbara. Yes. Uh, he, I, she again thought it was part of his education and he accepted right. it in the... Okay. In the so what I'm picking up is this, this is a little complex. There's mm. layers of, of it. What's your take on it? 
I, okay, well, first I read that email from the guy in Galway, and what I thought about that was, look, man, you get older, you get out of college age, it is hard to make friends, and that's true everywhere. And for him to go, this is because they hate the English and because the Irish are clicky, yeah, maybe you're just no fun, pal. And, and I, I love hearing these stories from the Scully household because a lot of it is is just crack. It's just banter. It's it's ball-breaking, and it's you're going to remind people of the shared history that you have because that's part of getting along with Irish yes. people. You better be able to take a joke about yourself. Is you... another person's offense. Exactly. And then we need and, and, and I on have this program big difficulties with a lot of banter. You gotta, I really do. Mm, that's fair. That's fair yeah. and and I get that. But one thing the Irish have taught me is that you better be able to take a joke about yourself, pal. Yeah. You really better be able to. If you take yourself so seriously mm. that nobody can joke about where you're from, that nobody can joke about mm. the things yeah. that you're country. I'm not responsible for American foreign policy, exactly. but when Bush was president, I heard a lot about it. Mm. So it, it's uh, you better be able to come back with well, some kind of joke. I, I wouldn't have known the difference, but when we were kids and my father's first mother-in-law would come to visit from Northern Ireland mm. and she'd come down to see us and she'd take us to the pictures and mm. we'd be delighted that she'd take us to the pictures. What you have to remember is at the time in the cinema they always played the Irish National Anthem. Yeah. Well, huh. I tell you, for Thomasina Ruddle, she would not be prepared to sit still while the Irish National Anthem was played for so she'd walk out. Well, she'd <laughs> walk <laughs> out? Yeah. No, and, and every, when my day, I don't know if they do it now, but at every dance hall, you know, at two o'clock. At the end of it, yeah. yeah. I think they knew it now as a joke. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's, it's no. a callback, oh, no. like... Okay, uh, there's probably some rap thing now. Hmm. All right, now, uh, okay, there we're going to park English-Irish relations. Uh, let's talk about one of Ireland's most famous comedy shows. Standing beside me is my beautiful wife. Which gets very confusing at home. Who's your mommy? Who's your mommy? Who's your mommy? But uh, I promise you, I, 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 only, I only am what I am because she loves me. Thank you very much. That was Brendan O'Carroll praising his wife after winning a national television award. But, subsequently, not everyone was uh, impressed to see Mrs Brown's boys beat the likes of Fleabag, Sex Education, Derry Girls, Afterlife, some of the other nominees at the National Television Awards. Um, People see it as old-fashioned compared to some other more cutting-edge comedies out there. Barbara, what's your take on this? Are you a fan of Mrs. Brown's Boys? I hate saying this because it's kind of going to contradict what I'm trying to say, but not really. It's not the kind of comedy that I particularly think is funny. In other words, I wouldn't say, oh, great, Mrs. Brown's Boys are on. I'm going to go in and watch it. I have occasionally watched bits of it and I have laughed. Um... To me, yeah, it, it's old-fashioned. It's a, there's a real bang of the 1970s off it. You know, I mean, um, Brendan O'Carroll dressed up as, as Mrs. Brown is a bit Dick Emery-ish, um, um, you know, and a bit kind of... What is it quintessentially f- Irish? Uh, not anymore. Um, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of Irish in it, but um, I don't think it's quintessentially Irish. But I do think it's interesting that so many, so much of Irish comedy, which um, hasn't been successful here, has been tremendously successful in the UK. I mean... Top uh, Father, Father Ted, Ted yeah. comes to mind. Derry Girls, um, to me, is the kind of comedy I love. It, it, it's got all the kind of the elements that 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 I thought was really funny, really well written. It's nuanced. Um, it's much more subtle in some ways, and yet it's not subtle at all. And it should have definitely won. Um, but having said that, I celebrate Mrs. Brown's Boys' uh, success because I think the crew who do it and everything work very, very hard. Um, and I do think we have there is an element of snobbery going. I wouldn't watch that because you know it's it's uh, it's not really up to my intellectual standard of comedy. 
Um, I think it, it, there's quite a there's quite a parallel between comedy and writing and books. I think we've the same snobbery, which very often is women's writing is seen as less worthy because you know it's all mm-hmm. fl- fluff and falderall, um, which it isn't. Um, and I think the same holds true of comedy. Billy, a fan? Well, I think Samuel Beckett would have loved a fart joke. Do you know? Yeah, and that's what it's about. It is. You you can be as pretentious as you want to be, but Mrs. Brown's Boys is a long fart end of the pier joke <laughs> and it works and it works brilliantly and it appeals to the child in all yeah, of us because it's naughty and it's bold and should we be laughing oh what the hell we laugh and I think it's great and I think it's great fun Would now, you watch it? I have done lots of times yeah, yeah. Uh, But it's not an appointment to watch very little is very yeah. these days, you know, because you can just now choose. Now the cutting edge is not on every night <laughs> on Wednesday. I know it. Don't I know the it? The Tonight Show is <laughs> appointment viewing but, every yeah, night. Yeah, Absolutely, yeah. no. But I'm trying to come back. But the but the point is right. It it, it was a, a very mixed bag uh, of of nominees in this particular category. And yes, I loved Afterlife, and yes, I loved Dairy Girls, and yes, I love Fleabag. You know, this, mm. they're all good. But it's the British public made the decision. And there, as one wag in the paper said, these are the people who voted for Brexit. They voted <laughs> for <laughs> Mrs. Brown. And somebody, you know, don't trust the public with the vote. But I think if the public love it, then vote for it. And that's great. And for Brendan and for Jenny and for all the team, it's a wonderful thing for them to get another prize at this stage. Just going back to the, the genre of humour and the fart joke and the naughty, mm. is it is it like there's quite a lot of effing and blinding yeah. and it's quite blue. It is. Is that the appeal of it? Yes, because it's... Because every- you don't hear that very often. No, but it's everything that Hyacinth Bouquet isn't. Yes. Do you know, it's, it's, it's as, as Brendan himself says, it's a cock and a frock. That's what it is. That's right. what it, he is, Mrs. Brown. But Hyacinth is something that, and, and you look at the two polar opposites. <laughs> it's the two polar opposites. It's, it's, it just makes, they both make us laugh in a different way. Right. Mm-hmm. Where do you stand on the cock and the frock? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I invite him over for dinner. Uh, I think it's great. I think I think Bill hit the nail on the head there when he talked about what makes up this award. This is a public vote award. This is not the Critics' Choice Award. This is not looking for the most avant-garde, genre-bending, defiance thing. It, uh, Mrs. Brown's Boys has the biggest numbers. The most people watch it. So, of course, it and won. BBC, I'm not surprised. Yeah. It's huge. And look at what else. Like, if, if people are going to get snobby about the fact that they won an award, look at the other categories that this award show have. It has Best TV Judge as one of the categories, like in terms of an entire category of television for talent shows, Gogglebox is nominated as a factual entertainment program in that category. So this is this this is the level of awards we're talking about. I think Mrs. Brown's Boys is fine. Uh, I don't watch it much myself. I think it's tough to compare different styles of comedy. It'd be like taking the world's number one hip hop act and the world's number one classical music okay. act and going, well, who's the best music okay. act? Okay, yeah, they're different, man. Just because you're in the comedy business yourself, mm, and, barely, and, and barely, writing, no, writing clinging a script, on, right, writing a script mm. for comedy. To explain to us the process that goes through the author's mind for 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 Brendan O'Carroll, what we're like because you know we've tried to get the fart thing, the naughty thing, the mm. blue thing, all that. I, well, I think what, we, what, what, what like, here's what we what, haven't what, touched on yet yeah. with respect to Mrs. Brown's boys is the undercurrent of family and love that goes through all of it. It is incredibly blue. They're swearing at each other the entire time. They're calling each other stupid. They're, if you know if this was if this uh, uh, show was made in the twenties, they'd be hitting each other with giant mallets and stuff. It's it's, it's uh, almost Three Stooges. 
seems like a little so bit the that way. Is family relationships. Well, it, I mean, whose family doesn't spend the whole time fighting? I heard of a woman who married an English guy, and her mother gave the guy a copy of the Irish Proclamation on their second date. <laughs> you ever heard of something? Like that? This well. is how families get along. <laughs> well, when you, when you look at the character list in Mrs. Brown's Boys, you look at the emphasis on the quality of the next door neighbor. The mm-hmm. fact that the next door neighbor is as dumb as a box of hair, Winnie. That's the character. Mm. But it's next door neighbor and kindness. It's the gay son, Rory. Mm. You know, it's he's involved and his husband. That's all included. Mm-hmm. It's the elderly granddad who is the butt of a lot of jokes. You want he, to give euthanasia. And he so does yeah, get yeah, hit yeah, by yeah. trades. Mm-hmm. And he yeah. does get commented on his smelt. So it, there is a lot of what really goes no, on I'm, in I'm, houses. I'm, I'm delighted that we actually, because two people are in the business, actually deconstructed it. Because when you put it like that, it all actually makes sense of why it might be funny and why we would connect with it. All right, we're going to have more from the final panel. But, but, but I see Trevor Keegan has joined us. Let's get a news update. Welcome back to the final part of the final furlong. It's uh, in the company today of Bill Hughes of Mind the Gap Films, Jim Elliott, comedian, who's uh, performing where tonight? Ashburn. Ashburn. It's my first time gigging there. I'm really looking forward to it. And would we say that you're performing tonight in the Tullamore Court? Performing's probably a little bit over-egging it. Okay. Bit. But I'll be judging. And I'll be being brilliant as a judge. All right. Presumably. And, and, and we just have to settle for Bill's performance right now uh, <laughs> of, of Mind the Gap. Okay, let's move on to our next uh, topic, which is, it's often to referred to um, the most important meal of the day. And now new research suggests that delaying or skipping breakfast is associated with a higher likelihood of mood disorder amongst uh, adults. And we've had various other reports. You can lose weight or gain weight depending on... So the question is, Bill, not eating breakfast... Does it does it make you grumpy? I don't eat breakfast or lunch. I have a fulfilled bar at lunch and I live on Diet Coke, but I'd never eat anything other than tea for, for, for breakfast. They say it makes you grumpy. It couldn't possibly be true. <laughs> <laughs> I see people who don't eat breakfast and I see that they are grumpy. It must be true. I am a breakfast absolute aficionado. I okay. love it because of the way we were brought up. We were brought up, uh, like, don't forget, there are 13 kids in my family. And my father uh, became a house husband because of health reasons. And so there'd be a pot of porridge, there'd be lots of brown bread and bacon every morning so that you could go out to school on a full stomach because he really believed in it and my mother really believed in it, that we should all skip off to, to school happy and full. And then I went to boarding school and the breakfast was so disgusting. It was disgusting, but I still what did you get wanted breakfast? to... Oh, you were lucky. If Fried you, bread uh, that was kind of odd? Or yeah, you were lucky if you, got, if you got some bread and uh, jam and marmalade. The egg was too hard? Uh, oh, egg, eggs! Yeah. You got uh, egg? What was an egg? <laughs> you know, no, no. We got we, marmalade. That's when I really discovered I had an aversion to marmalade. I cannot let it what pass my this? lips. Knockbeg in Carlo. All right. Yeah. A yeah. Borders. A Borders. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and oh, so it wasn't as posh as the one you went No, to. no, no. <laughs> no, 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 no <laughs> you had a butler in the yeah, morning. Absolutely, absolutely. Eggs Benedict Arson. every morning. Arson. Hollandaise Arson. sauce, baby. Look, you had that was quivering only, that was eggs. You <laughs> had, get me yeah. started. And not to speak of the silver salver that yeah. it was served on. <laughs> no, uh, the, the, so, so on balance, you're absolutely a fan of it. And you say you might be grumpy if you don't. Oh, yeah, but I can't understand wh- how people can skip breakfast. And apart from anything else, because I'm diabetic, I have to take oh, my right. meds. And I can't right. take meds on an empty stomach. Okay. You can't. Are you a so. breakfast person, Barbara? Yeah. 
Always was a breakfast person. Yeah, again, I don't the full think, Irish or don't just agree with Bill. Well, no, I'm vegetarian, so I wouldn't be doing full Irish. Um, See, anyway, no, but with your diabetic, you're no sugar nor any proper protein. I have plenty of protein. I just don't get it from animals. Um, from from meat, I eat eggs. Um, but testing are on the vegan. <laughs> <laughs> See, she had clar- breakfast. Now I'm she's clarifying. I'm just clarifying. <laughs> no, but like Bill, I mean, I can't imagine waking up in the morning and doing what you do and just having a cup of tea. Oh, I mean, to me, a breakfast. It's not only just the food, and I'm now eating healthy breakfast. It's not just the food. It's there's a ritual about making whatever it is you're going to eat and sitting down. And with me, it's with the newspaper and with my cup of coffee. And having my breakfast. That's really important. Like right. that, It's 20 minutes where to start the day. So this idea of getting up, running in a shower, getting dressed and yeah. grabbing your Diet Coke or whatever, running out the door. No, I don't like that. Even I prefer to get up a bit earlier in order to have my breakfast. So I, I totally agree. I th- I'm not surprised people are grumpy. Yeah, well, you see, because they don't eat th- their breakfast. Th- this all sounds valid and reasonable and, and logical. And people who sell breakfast cereal would agree. Mm. But one day, one day, we got this hospital consultant on from Cork. And he was music to my ears because he said, the animals, the animals in the jungle, hmm. when, you know, the lion hasn't eaten for three days, they become alert, they become sharp. You know, their, ah. st- their stomach is telling them, telling their brain, be on your game. And I said, you know what, I'm a lion. That's it. That's exactly it. I'm with you. <laughs> you're I mean, a big pussycat. <laughs> <but you're, laughs> I don't eat breakfast in the morning. I, I do not eat breakfast in the morning. I, I'll, if I'm lucky, I'll have a, yeah, uh, in your I'll have a coffee. Is, is that because you're not hungry? Or, cause I'm not I, hungry not only morning. am I not hungry, I can't even countenance the thought of, of cramming my head full of food that early in the morning. My stomach's not with same, me yet. Yeah, I don't yeah. want to eat. And sometimes you wake up and, I don't know, maybe you got to catch a 6 o'clock flight somewhere and you're thinking, mm. all right, well, I'm not going to get lunch. I'm probably not going to have anything to eat until 6 p.m. I really got to get some food in me. And it is a chore. It's an absolute chore to force myself to eat that early in the morning. I can eat a couple hours later maybe. But in the morning, it's all it's all liquids. It's it's water, it's coffee, and that, that's all I can take. It's not even a banana or a piece of fruit or something? No, no. I, 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 I don't want it. What do you do? I am so tight Definitely. and miserable. Say we go to a wedding mm. and we're staying in a, in, in a nice hotel yep. that the wedding was held and, in. And, then... and it's the price of the room includes breakfast for free. <laughs> and I can say, I don't really want but, but by God, if I paid for it, I'm going to eat it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Would well, you ever in those circumstances? In, in those circumstances, I usually would because if I'm at a wedding, I probably had something to drink the night before. So that means I'm probably looking forward to some eggs yes, in the morning. That's yeah. different because that is I am down there the last possible minute that they're still serving. That's the other thing about morning time. Ten minutes extra in bed beats 10 minutes of cooking in the morning every 10 times out of 10. No problem. If I can sleep for 20 more minutes, As as a mum, is there an issue that breakfast, you know, is synonymous with getting people to school and so on, that it's actually when you eat together and when that goes... I don't think... I can't ever remember. uh, I mean, we would eat together every evening, most evenings, but breakfast was never eaten together. Uh, maybe the when go. they were really little they got well, different times to one, move breakfast was the one meal that's always self-service so you look after yourself I'm not making and I don't I'm not cooking in the morning on weekdays do you know what I mean I'm not yeah. getting up that early mm. in order to make scrambled eggs and, mm-hmm. and whatever else so no breakfast was always self-service breakfast was always and I mean the kids went through phases of not eating breakfast eating breakfast yeah. having cereal having toast pop tarts but it's what pop tarts do you guys mess around <laughs> yeah, with pop tarts no, at all mess around that much oh with they're pop so tarts. gross well, sweet things that early in the morning oh my god I don't know breakfast in our house was a ritual and stayed a ritual. And would you be a cocoa pops, cornflakes, rice krispies, no, no, porridge? No, 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 granola. Granola. Or porridge. I am porridge. I love right. porridge. Or granola with extra porridge. toasted seeds and yogurt. Okay, so you're not allowed to have 
rashers, eggs, black puddings, white puddings, no, and all that. No, uh, no, but I wouldn't have been having that anyway. What would you have? Early, well, now, I mean, and it did take me a while to find a breakfast that I actually liked uh, and that tied in with my weight loss and no sugar and yada yada. Um, so I have overnight oats and uh, with a mashed up banana and uh, I heat Can you have a little yogurt on it? No, no. A li- yeah, there's no fat yogurt in it as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and yeah. how is your whole thing going with the diabetes? Uh, well, like you dramatised it for the I nation. I did. Yeah, no, I did. I did. I <laughs> like, absolutely did. Is it now did. become a soap opera? <laughs> yeah, no, I absolutely did. Wait, her the, exercise, the, the her weight loss, Yeah, the her book will be out levels. very soon. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, I'll be buying it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, thankfully, I am delighted. It's back under control. I've put my diabetes into remission, which means that um, I'm not on medication and my blood sugar levels are in the normal range. There's no insulin injections. And no, well, I was or... never on it. I was I on medication for a little while, but that I came off my exaggeration. Yes, no, no, no. No, so I have, you know, it means You're I've just. You're letting stick... the air out of the balloon, Barbara. It's never a good idea. Well, that's exactly what I was trying to do. The balloon was way too blown <laughs> up. So, yes, I have been letting the air out All of the right. balloon. Okay, let's move on to uh, our next guest. Uh, in terms of our next topic. Alice Taylor, uh, author, living in Cork. Uh, she was on our show uh, in the last few days and it was, it was an article she'd written about Ireland being less friendly. Take a listen to our Alice. We're losing our friendliness. I mean, that was a big thing in Ireland always. People, that you know, for tourism and everything, people came. They were delighted with how friendly we were. Now I think if you're, if you're friendly, people think, what's wrong with that one? Alice Taylor is an author of more than 20 books, including the iconic bestseller To School Through the Fields. Um, and so she's promoted the values of rural life, the power of community. Uh, and and she, she speaks about a recent walk that she was on in her part. I think it's in a Shannon in, in West Cork Village. And she said that she went on a walk and the most friendly thing she met was a dog. The couple with the dog had a scowl. No one made <laughs> eye contact. And, and she actually sort of benchmarked the fact that we've got to a point in society where there is a wall of silence between us and the people we meet on the street. Could this be true? It's not a wall of silence, okay? They are headphones, and I paid a lot of money for them, and that's what I want to listen to. Leave me alone. I haven't had anything to eat yet. I skipped breakfast. No, I'm kidding. Um, (laughs) You're American. Well, there's there's a whole... Okay, if she thinks that Cork is unfriendly, go live in D.C. for a couple of years. I swear to God. Like, there's a bang of... People getting old and complaining that, oh, it's not as nice as it used to be when I was a kid. We all used to talk to each other. Shut up. It's fine. DC is the home of the glare. any offense taken by any Crinkley's listen, Carrie. Yeah. <laughs> Crinkley's? I've never heard that. That's great. Go listen, but uh, go move to DC, man. DC, you, you sit down in a pub in Washington, DC. If you try to talk to the person sitting next to you at the bar, they look at you like you're a crazy person. And they'll probably humor you a little bit because you might be crazy. There's no. Uh, the Irish are friendly. Everybody's friendly. There is. Of course, we all have You've devices now. You've never been in a gay bar. Well, well <laughs> they're right. friendly to me, Bill. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, no, but look, I mean, there is, I'm sure she's uh, also furious about the fact that everybody's looking at their devices while they're on the buses all the time. But you know what my device has? Every single newspaper on the planet Earth. All right. Every bit of written word that we've ever had. Yeah, I'm reading that rather than talking to the, to the lady sitting next to me on the bus. I don't see what's wrong with a little bit of privacy when you're walking around. I don't and, think it's and, antisocial. And, and, and do you ever... Go to rural Ireland on holidays or anything like that. I'm gigging in Ashburn any... tonight, man. There's cows <laughs> no, out no, there, no, aren't no, there? That's commuter Ireland. Yeah. Oh, it's, not, okay. it's not rural Ireland. I mean, that's property bubble you, Ireland. Have you ever been to the West Coast? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. really rural places on well, holidays. I mean, 
We haven't spent a whole lot of time out there. We have, we okay. went to we went to a wedding in Kerry, and then we did the Ring of Kerry for two days. I don't think that really counts. Okay, no, it doesn't really. Uh, you don't uh, need Americans sorry. on no. the Ring of Kerry. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's yeah, lousy yeah. with Americans out there. Yeah, Jeez, okay. Barbara. And well, I spend um, I spend a week to two weeks every year down in West Cork um, for the last number of years. Um, uh, so it's a place very close to my heart, and I have made tremendous friendships down there. Um, I find, but again, I mean, I live in suburban Dublin, and since to go back to my healthy lifestyle, since I've started walking more, it was I only commented on it at home there about a week ago. Irish people are still really friendly. Yeah. You go for a walk, there's people passing. You good morning. Who the hell they are? How are you? Morning, morning. It's just hello, and it's a good morning. That's all. But it's great. So I don't know what um, Alice uh, Taylor is actually talking about. Um, it is not my experience. Um, and it's something that when my daughter is home from Perth, she s- still very often comments on it. How interested Irish people are in other people. You know, so, you know, you go into a shop and you're just paying for something mm-hmm. and like, how are you? And it's a nice day or it's not mm-hmm. a nice day or conversation. Um, Alice Taylor is some woman for one woman. I, I love her. And I've been down and I've filmed in her kitchen with her she on a number of occasions quite a while ago. But uh, she's she's a great lady and anything she says, I would take seriously. Hmm. And I do agree. I go for walks in Memorial Gardens, which is beside where I live in Dublin, just in Island Bridge. And you can tell from 100 yards who wants to say hello. And you can tell also those who have the world shut out. Now, you can also see the people who have the cares of the world on their shoulders. Mm. But you can also see who's a pain in the ass. And there's a lot of pains in the ass going around with their nose in the air and their Dr. Dre headphones and they think they're fabulous and they're not. They think they're Kardashians and they're not. You don't even have the ass to be a Kardashian. So they're just out walking, going, excuse me, excuse me, I'm in an inclusion zone. Excuse me, no photographs, please. I'm here on a private visit. You know, excuse me, you're walking in the park, you idiot. Would you just relax and say hello? Maybe to that's people? how they relax. That's Maybe that's how relax. they relax they're by escaping uptight. into their own head. They're uptight and they're going to die. You're young putting that on that man. You don't know that. They might so, not so, be. So, so there was something you just said there. Mm. Die young. Mm. Is this an intergenerational issue? In so far as that, my experience of this mm. is that. So, since the age of ten, we have been going on our family holiday, both as boy, man, and parent, and so on. An old fella. Yeah, over mm-hmm. uh, to Tour McKeady and, and everybody Where on da? the road Where da? in West Mayo. Okay. Uh, sort of half an hour from Westport, Ballina, okay. Ballinrobe. Beautiful and, out there. And, and beautiful. Overlock mask. And everyone on the road would Waves. wave at you. Yeah. Just to hand the finger salute up the wave. In salute you, this Yeah, salute yeah. you. Right. They wouldn't know you, you wouldn't know yeah. them, and it's just, and even the ones with the GB Reg, do the yeah. same because it's just a tradition. Now, these are boreens and so yeah. on, and, uh, but there'll be a bit of traffic on them. So that's that's one level. You would not get that in Wexford no. routinely, East Coast. But if I was going for a walk, and nearly everyone would not only say hello, but they'd want to stop and talk and then escort the, which I find very nice and all that, and a reason I'd live there. Then I'm thinking back yesteryear, the Reardons and Minnie Brennan and the kind of gossipy, invasive, or oh, wanting to know what you had for your breakfast and where were you last night sort of thing, which I think is gone. We're sorry, should be gone. Mm. So we, we've, we've history and we have different levels of this. Where do you think the perfect happy medium is? Because I totally get your point. Mm-hmm. In the dart, people just... No matter what, they just look yeah. into their smartphone. They uh, yeah, do not I mean, want when, to engage. I'm commuting. I'm, yeah, when I'm saying about people being friendly, I mean, I'm just talking about people making eye contact, which is something you notice nodding. in other cities. Yes. And nodding. Yeah. And just acknowledging, mm. nice day. That's all Harry. they have to do. That's all. 
I'm not. To, I mean, you know, I don't want if I'm going on a bus journey necessarily to have my ear uh, rented mm. out by somebody next to me no. telling me all their life story if I'm not in the humour for that. Now, there's other days when you would be in the humour for mm-hmm. that, and you're quite entertained mm. by having a conversation with some mad one who sits down beside you. <laughs> mm. uh, but it's really just the what you talked about. It's the nod. It's the hello. It's the acknowledgement. Yeah. That I think we still have very mm. much. The, the other story I have to tell against myself about this is that. I was canvassing at 18 years of age in my first ever election to the Enniscorthy Urban Council in June 1979. And I had this old fella who had been in the party and everything like that. Now, he, he was in his 70s, but he was a kind of mentor of mine and he was a hard-ass mentor. So anyway, we finished this canvas and he said, Ivan, uh, and like I, I was very sort of vulnerable, you could even say at that stage. He said, Ivan, you're one of the worst candidates I've ever had. <laughs> and I said, why, why do you say that? I said, we got on ground on the campus. He said, Mrs. Murphy walked down the Shannon Hill by you and she looked at you and you didn't even say hello, goodbye or anything. And I said, you know something, Paddy? I I didn't actually know her. You know what I mean? Mm. And I didn't want to, you know, Mm. kind of be over friendly with their presumer. I just didn't know her. And I said, he said, she knew you. And she now thinks you're the greatest stuck-up sea that you've ever seen. Do you know what I mean? And from that moment on... And she was right. that moment on my life... Anyone. I'm a wink and nod. Yeah. And we, uh, but that's, in terms that's from everyone the same, I met in Wexford. That's from the same... That politicians don't count. That's right. from yeah, the same exactly. school of They're turn out every cockfight okay. and hooli just That's like saying, I there. think this prostitute really yeah. finds me attractive. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. the politician's going to talk to you. Not, I'm yeah. a charlotte. That doesn't All right. count, exactly. <laughs> All right. Uh, my thanks uh, to my panel. Uh, Final Furlong entertaining me for the last hour or so. Bill Hughes of Mind the Gap Films. Jim Elliott, comedian. And go to the Tullamore Court tonight there because Barbara Scully will be <laughs> there uh, talking about something like the Oscars and that's not only our lot from the final furlong but for the hard shoulder for this week my thanks to the production team Mark Simpson Ashley Moore Dan Flanagan Roisin Davis and Alex Russo Off the Ball is up next I will be back on Monday at 4 have a great weekend and thanks for listening (laughs) 